All right, you guys, today, um, I, I got I to gotta have my ego kind of take the back seat today because, um, you know, I, I have Matt Jansen on here who loves fucking with me about the uh, football south of the Mason-Dixie line, all that stuff, acting like us boys from up north can't whoop some ass. But we did just get completely, we got slaughtered. We didn't have a chance. I mean, I mean, it was, it was bad. Like, Matt, how would you describe what happened Monday night? Well, this is what I would say. You guys, at one point, I think it was seventeen twenty-four. Yeah. Um, and it by no means at that no. point even felt like you were close no. to being in the game. It was seven to seven at the end of the first quarter, and it did not feel like we were close to being in that game. It yeah. did not like being there and like watching the, you know the, the just the the power that Alabama had over us. It was unbelievable. Um, you know. Uh, they were they were they were talking after that game about how that you know that might be the best team to ever play college football you know and it's like we hear that a lot but apparently in some advanced analytics like the PFF stuff like Alabama is actually like apparently the best fucking team to ever play college football so yeah. it was kind of cool uh, man watching Devonte Smith in person was unbelievable that was um, that guy is unreal like. He, he, he's, he's fucking incredible. And just watching high level athletes, it was like, you know, being at the Olympia, uh, you know, which is bodybuilding's fucking Super Bowl. You know, you're there and you're just like watching these guys. It's like, man, the amount of work that you've put in to like be this good. And, you know, obviously, Matt, you know, you just coached uh, Sean Clarita, who, um, you know, won that 212, which congratulations on that, by the way. You've not been on the podcast since that happened. So yeah, huge thank congratulations. You, thank you. Yeah. It. How's that feel? Like, like when you wake up in the morning, how, how early into the day do you think about the fact? that damn i coached a mr olympia winner well honestly dude i mean i could we could talk about this in and of itself as a whole podcast yeah. but um i've had uh this list of expectations on myself and this this pressure that i've had on myself um ever since i started i, I mean i would say honestly since the age of five six years old yeah um and i feel like now as a 31 year old that pressure has finally been relieved i mean i, I can't even really describe the way that it feels to finally accomplish something of that magnitude because I've, this is what I've wanted to do my whole life. Yeah. Like I've always wanted to be a champion at the highest level, Absolutely. you know, and, and, and I was um, in a different role than, than many might consider. Cause obviously Sean was the one who accomplished it, you know, and I was in the background, but like, you know, at the age of 21, I really saw my the shift. You know, I wanted to be a professional soccer player, and then I mm -hmm. saw at the collegiate level that that wasn't just gonna, it wasn't realistic anymore. Yeah. Um, but I felt mentally, and I think this is a good lead-in for this whole podcast. Mm -hmm. I felt like mentally, I was on a level that many weren't on. Mm -hmm. um, and even though their their physical skills surpassed mine, mentally I was tougher than them. Yeah. And that's when I just did this shift to transfer into coaching because because I, I felt like if I could get my mental coaching ability and pass that on to athletes that are superior to me that that magic could happen absolutely um, because you're you know, relentless and, and magic, you're, you're relentless right. in your approach yeah and and that's where my obsession with with Saban comes in and my obsession with Calipari and my obsession with Kobe Bryant is mm -hmm. it's not so much what they're doing on the field it's it's like trying to tap into their mind to make me better at what I do I you know agree with I mean? that 100%. And I'm going to add, um, you know, I'm going to add Phil Jackson um, into that sure. as well. Sure. Um, because what we see, you know, we being fans, 
Obviously, his podcast is about Nick Saban, but I mean, really, you could just call it greatness because, you know, there's going to be references of, you know, Kobe and, um, you know, uh, Phil Jackson. And um, I mean, you like Calipari, but I'm a Coach K guy. <laughs> but but the, I mean, he's right there in the same conversation. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. They're on the, you know, they're on the exact same level. And it's like we see, um, you know, the product at the national championship game of Alabama outscores Ohio State and what people don't understand what, what, what some people understand dude they got the same caliber athletes on these two teams right. like there's nfl players you you know i was at the game and it's like fuck i'm watching 40 nfl players like play each other right now like this is pretty fucking cool right but the way that that the culture of a program like alabama you know saban's been there what 11 years 12 13 14 whatever it's been um at University of Kentucky. Oh, 2007? Damn, it's been that long? Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I guess that's 14 years. Um, yeah. You know, at these at these high-level places that are constantly winning championships, the culture is, it, it is a championship culture. And, and, and what does that mean? And I think, you know, we're two good people to talk about that because this is kind of our expectation and kind of what we bring to bodybuilding. Yeah, bodybuilding, it's probably never going to be on ESPN on a Monday night with the entire world watching, right? Bodybuilding is never going to pay what NFL pays, what, you know, what, what these guys are going to go on to make is going to far surpass anything we ever do, right? But it's the culture of what you're surrounding yourself with and the expectation you kind of have in your life. And at Alabama, um... I watch these guys come out of the tunnel and everyone's like for warmups. I mean, it's almost like everyone's in fucking sync. It's like watching the fucking military. It's like watching North Korea's military. You know how they like March and like yep. every single yep. step is in the exact same direction. And like, dude, you're watching Alabama do this shit. And it's like, this is fucking unreal. Like, like Scott Cocker and their strength and conditioning coach, he has them down to such a T he and Saban have pounded into these guys, the, the discipline into their heads to such a T every single drill didn't start until that whistle blew. It's not when the guy crossed the line, it's when Cochran or Saban's whistle blew and, and every single receiver was released in warmups, you know, when the quarterback released him, there was no, there was nothing lackadaisical about it. And the culture that you see here is, is extreme discipline. It's, it's extremism within discipline, but I want to go back to a word that you said earlier. You, you kind of put this pressure on yourself. Um, and you know, you said, uh, you know, now at 31, it's finally kind of relieved a bit, although you now it's kind of the chase for the second one, but you put this sure. massive pressure on yourself. And, and when you, when you place a burden, um, like that upon yourself, you do everything that you possibly can every single day to relieve it, to achieve whatever's on the other side of that pressure to kind of push through the pressure. Nick Saban makes these, I mean, he puts these guys under so much scrutiny. I mean, it's a, it's, it's, it's microscopic what he's breaking down. And what's interesting to me with your obsession with Saban is like, uh, so, so I'll give you one. Remember that dumbbell row video I sent you uh, two weeks ago. Yeah. And yeah. that those were very, those were, those would be considered very good dumbbell rows. And, right. I had a feeling that, so they passed my eye test. I had a feeling there was something. There was just something that could be different. And I sent it over to you. And that little something was 0.2%. But that 0.2% is the difference between me having a overall champion at a national level back double bicep 
or a third place back double bicep. Right. And you're the right. one who saw that. Like you're, you, I'm under your microscope and you're watching this not be perfect. It's very good. It's not perfect. And perfect is the only thing that you really accept. Right. Right. Um, right. That's exactly, that's exactly, I mean, I'm watching Saban with these guys and I'm like, this is fucking unbelievable. Um, so your obsession with Saban, I mean, how did it kind of come about? Like, when would you say that kind of, um, started? Because for me, quite frank, Matt, like I'm much newer to success than you are. And like, for me, it started Monday night. Um, when did the, when did you kind of come around to realizing that's the culture that you want to kind of abide your life by? So I would say. Um, I really started to pay attention to him, his national championship year at LSU, yeah. which was his first title. Okay. Um, but then, you know, and with anybody, you know, to experience greatness and watch it, the longer it goes on, um, two things are going to happen. And we just talked about this off air. You're either going to appreciate it more or yeah. you're going to hate it, you know? So, um, he's like, the most example, hated like, coach of all time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, even within my post, there's so many comments about him paying athletes. And oh, I'm like, my you guys completely God. just missed the whole point. You Jesus. Know? Like, Ohio State is, too, and they just got right. curb so stomped. Was everybody. <laughs> so was everybody, you know? Yeah. But, like, and, and another great example of this is, like, I, you know, I've had, it's, it's kind of been weird, but the, in the past week, I've had three people that I, I respect and look up to ask me who I'm pulling for in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, and my answer this year is much different than it was 10 years ago. And, and I'm pulling for Tom Brady because I want to see greatness happen again. Yeah. Um, and it's not, it's not a bandwagon thing. It's like, I, I literally want to see history be made. Of course. Um, you know, so, so with Saban's success, I would say it was in, you know, 2000, I think it was 2004 is when he won at LSU or whatever that was. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm an 18 year old then, or not an 18 year old, I'm 15 years old. Okay. Um, but then it, it's really been, you know, my desire to, to look up to these guys has grown exponentially, uh, after, you know, once I started coaching, you know, yeah. I mean, honestly, my favorite part, like I love athletics. I love football. I love watching basketball, but at this point in my life, what I try to pay attention to and watch more than anything else is the press conferences because yeah. I want to get into the mindset of what Nick Saban says. You know, like mm -hmm. I stayed up after after the national championship this year not to watch all the hoopla, but I wanted to see what he said in his press conference because yeah. nine times out of ten, if you watch his press conference after he wins the national championship, he's talking about recruiting. Yeah, like that's the next thing on his mind, and yeah. I think something important uh, just to kind of parallel really quick. Um, something important that's going to be missing in this conversation because you or I don't know, but I think the difference with this Nick Saban truly starts in the homes of these kids. Mm -hmm. What he does in the homes of these kids is, is what we really need to seek after. And, and hopefully one day he'll talk about, because when you're, when you're going into the home of 16, 17 year old boys, I mean, they're all the same. Yeah. They're not, they're not mentally superior to each other at that point. Because no. like you said, like, Ohio State's guys are just as good as Alabama's guys. Yeah. There's no difference there. And granted, in high school, some of Ohio State's guys might have been better. Yeah. But something happens in the minds of these boys. And that's like, that's what interests me so much is like, what's going on in those rooms? And then from the transition from when they graduate high school to when they go to summer ball to, and now, and I think every year for them, it becomes easier because 
now basically they know, okay, if I get my mind right and I stick to this system for three years, I'm going to be a national champion. Absolutely. Now, granted, in 2007, 2008, 2009, that wasn't a proven system yet. No. He but was now building that it. it is, you, right, exactly. Mm-hmm. So I think my obsession just comes from, like, I, I want to be the best at my craft. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't mean this in, in slight, but I don't think that I'm going to become the best at my craft in looking at other coaches in my craft. Agreed. I just think that there's gaps that are missing. There's massive um, gaps in terms of organization, in terms of structure. I'm not talking organization of like the the individual. It's organization of um, of of the organization. <laughs> um, right, it's, and, it's, and not and not to mention, um, you know, and this is also part of the post that I made that we're going to get into. I think part of the issue with coaches coaches within bodybuilding is the burnout from them mm-hmm. not being respected as they should. Everyone, you know, so, everyone I mean, for feel- example, like Connie Rambod, mm-hmm. Connie Rambod created a system for himself. Matt Jansen's creating a system for himself yeah. to create an exit from coaching. Yeah. Why is that? Because ultimately we aren't treated like we should be treated and we aren't respected like we should be respected by the greater majority. I'm not saying mm-hmm. everybody, um, but I know that's the case, you know, like six, seven years ago, I was like, man, I don't understand why Hani Rambaugh's losing all these guys or dropping all these guys. Yeah. I understand it. I understand it's perfect now. He doesn't have to say a word. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. It, it makes a lot of sense. As you start working with higher level individuals, as you start working with bigger egos, egos that need fueled, um, it makes a lot of sense. And, and the parallel here is when, when someone reaches out to us, um, it doesn't really matter how good they are. I don't think, you know, I'm speaking for you on this and I'm sure you're going to um, confirm this true. I, I, I have taken very few people on that. I promised anything at all to, and the people that oh, I promised sure. something to, I knew that it was someone else could have gotten them there too. All I had to do was my right. job. Right. Right. Um, it, it wasn't going to take magic. It wasn't going to take luck. You know, the, the, a majority of the pro cards here, um, that I've had, they would have got them with you. They would have got them with, they, they would have got them with, all, you know, all the other coaches too. They just kind of chose me. There's, you know, there, there's some folks I can point to that like, all right, I, I might've done a really good job there. And there's some people you can point to that. All right. We, I might've done a damn good job there. Um, but a majority of these things and going, back to what Nick Saban is doing in these homes, that's where the precedent is set. And, you know, I think you and I are doing a good job of that. Hey, come in and work, come in and fight for it. Like come in and show me that you want to be part of something. Come in and show me you want to be part of the culture and what I'm trying to build here. You know, Nick Saban's going into these guys' homes and, you know, he's not promising anyone anything. He's not promising no. playing time. He's not promising numbers. He's not promising anything anything at all he goes in and he says if you want to be you know you you want to win a championship every three years and i want to talk about that after this sub note you want to win a championship you know every three years you know almost guaranteed come play for alabama you want to go you know go to the nfl come earn a starting spot at alabama when's the last time someone started alabama for two years and go to the nfl i mean i i don't know if you can find me somebody I, I, I really don't. It might be so far yeah. back because he's yeah. created a culture that translates perfectly into the NFL. Now, the one note I am going to say, there's a lot of motherfuckers that transfer out of that school. 
<laughs> like, well, yeah, man, because they can't mentally hang. They can't mentally hang. And that that's exactly what you and I deal with. And, you know, I, I guess I say deal with kind of loosely, right? Like we, we have the pleasure of working with clients from around the world who are driven and motivated and stuff. But I mean, I can't tell you, I, 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 I can't, I just recently lost a client because this person really wanted to compete this year. And I said, Dude, we are not, we're, we're not there. We're, we're not at a place when, when you compete with team Haley, affiliated with team dude my expectation is we're in the contention for you know overall wins at every regional show and top five placings at the national stage and you know this person is probably looking at second or third place as their peak potential showing at a you know at a regional show with 10 people in their class like that's not quality yet right well that they transfer out they drop off. They, you know, go right. somewhere else. They'll go somewhere where um, the playing time is really easy and they don't need to put in as much work and it's not as disciplined and the coaches are so much nicer. You know, that's exactly what, what the clients who drop off with us do. Well, we don't, we don't, we can't sweat over that. We can't, you know, we can't lose our self-worth over that. We can't drop our culture to fit these people in. I think what it says more about is who do they turn to next? Because whoever they turn to next is going to appease them. And that's kind of right. who it says the most about, right? Well, yeah, that's yeah. exactly what your post alluded to. I want to read this part of this post for those of you who didn't see it. Hey, Matt typed, within our little subculture, where your coach is only as good as his last showing, maybe we should take a little deeper look at championship pedigree and what it's all about. The greatest current example and quite possibly the greatest example we have of winning to replicate at the highest level is a three-year process. This is what I think is currently one of the biggest gaps in physique athletes' mindsets, and it goes to show that many of us did not grow up in an athletic environment or really have that mentality, um, and the, the mentality obviously being what winning championships is. Stop changing the course every time your coach tells you no or you don't get what you want after a three-month prep because winning takes time. Winning is a process. Learning the right process for you isn't one that's learned overnight. That is... I mean, we could stop the podcast there because that's the summation of bodybuilding. Whatever yeah. your goal is. So Matt, Matt knows what my goal is. The podcast is my goal. Is I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm going to win Mr. USA. That's not going to happen this year. Next year, we'll see, but it's likely a three-year process, right? right. Well, Matt and, I, Matt and I just cleared year one. And, you know, I mean, the growth in year one's been fucking unbelievable. I knew when I hired Matt that I was stepping into something that was a different level than anything I've had before, Right. Like I had been at University of Kentucky and I was transferring into Tuscaloosa to play for Alabama. Okay, another wrong with University of Kentucky. You can get to the NFL that way, but you're probably not going to win championships there. Championships at a high right. level there. And I signed up with Matt knowing the responsibility I'm taking on is, is, is this. Is I'm telling Matt, I told you from day one when I didn't have a prayer. I mean, I wasn't, I, I mean, yeah, I just won an overall, but that doesn't mean winning an overall does not mean you're close to winning Mr. USA. I told you I'm going to win Mr. USA and that's something's going to happen. I'm just going to work. You know, I'm, I'm going to work until you fucking tell me that it, there's never been a time that I've like really suggested anything to you. You just, I just, whatever you say, because I trust yeah. you with it. I, you know, I got you with it. Well, that's what these guys at Alabama are doing. That's what the people at the highest level of bodybuilding are doing. The highest level of any profession of anyone who's listening to this, that's what they're doing is they're just, they're following the vision. They're following what's been set and you buy into it and you go at it full steam ahead. Winning is a three-year process. Matt doesn't know. Matt hasn't prepped me yet. Matt has no idea how I'm going to respond X, Y, Z. Matt has no idea what's going to be the absolute best for me after our first prep, after our second prep, 
I bet after Matt's prepped me four or five times, he has a really fucking good feel for it, right? But if Matt right. and I's first prep doesn't end with an overall win at the you know target show that we have set, I'm not leaving. But to be honest, it doesn't really mean anything. It's a step along the way. It's it's. I mean, it means something to win. It doesn't mean anything if it doesn't end the exact way we want in terms of Matt and I's capabilities. And people just dodge. They just get out and, you know, this, I, I would have won with this coach or, you know, my coach didn't do X, Y, Z when you never want to look internally. And I think Nick Saban does such a good job of, he has this system and he, he has his guys loyal to the work and they stay loyal to it because they know what's coming on the other side. And when you hire a good bodybuilding coach, you know, what's on the other side. You don't know if it's going to take two years, three years, four years, but you know what's on the other side and you know what doors that are going to open up for you. And so something I hear Nick Saban talk about um, in some seminars he did and one that I actually listened to earlier is it's, it's like a three, it's a four step process. Number one, the vision. What does it take to win? So, you know, Matt and I know kind of what it takes to, to, to win here um, in terms of him prepping me. We know kind of what it takes to win. Right, this is the work we have to do, this is the time that we have to do, this is how we have to train, this is how we have to rest, recover, all that stuff. What does it take to win? That's the vision. And then there's the eyes of the sea and the eyes of the soul. That's a Nick Saban quote that he talks about all the time. The eyes of the sea is what you see visually. And the eyes of the soul is what you see internally. Well, they need to align. If you see something that you know is off the path, off the vision, well, now you have to decide if you're gonna follow that with your soul. Or, and, and what this kind of translates to in football is, you know, let's say the offense is, um, you know, the, the, the offense is faking a reverse, right? What the safety just fucking runs with the guy who's like running to the boundary of the field and leaves in a massive gap wide open in the middle of the field is probably going to end up in a, as a touchdown, right? If I just go off the fucking plan and start using whatever the fuck drugs that I want to use and Matt has no fucking idea, well, <laughs> it's probably not going to end well, right? right so eyes right. of the sea, eyes of the soul. And then what's the defined process to make the vision happen? And this is one that's so overlooked because I think in bodybuilding, and I think Matt is going to, I think you're going to agree with this. People view it as like, well, it's just one meal. It's just one meal off plan. One meal off plan turns to you allowing yourself to accept that. And then it's two and then it's three and then it's fuck. I butchered the plan. And then, you know, it's all of this stuff, right? Or it's, you know, you don't feel like pushing yourself all the way in the gym one day. And, you know, you only do a couple fucking sets. And you realize that, you know, you just don't want to be there. Well, it's going to happen. You don't want to be at fucking practice every day. It's not going to happen. Like, what's the eyes of the sea? What's the eyes of the soul? You have to follow the vision. What's the defined process to make the vision happen? It's perfect execution. At Alabama, it's understanding the playbook. It's reading your keys and it's staying in your fucking lane no matter what the offense or defense is showing. It's, it's execution of the plan. And the last process, last part of the process, the most simple part. And then I want to throw it to Matt for him to kind of expand upon, uh, you know, all of this, but the discipline to execute the process and live up to the vision. I don't come on the podcast to talk to 350,000 people about, Hey, I'm going to win Mr. USA. And then I don't put the work in, you know, how embarrassing that would be. I don't fucking tell Matt Jansen, one of the people I respect the most in my life. Hey coach, you know, I'm, I'm going to give you a Mr. USA title. And then I don't, <laughs> trying to, I don't, I don't do the work to fucking back it up. Right. You don't, you don't get put in the field for Alabama. 
if you're not going to execute the playbook perfectly, it doesn't matter what your eyes are seeing. It matters what your soul is seeing. Your soul has to constantly be aligned with that vision. And the discipline is staying in line with the execution, with what's been laid out here. So discipline is really simple in theory, in my opinion. But it's the people who are the extremists. It's me sending a, a row video to Matt Jansen of great rows. Like if I posted this video, I bet you guys couldn't even tell anything that was wrong. And he points out exactly what I need to change. And next time I, next time I change it, and it's unbelievable how much difference it made, right? Discipline, you have to be an extremist with discipline. Matt, I want you to kind of touch on the Kuwait bodybuilding versus USA bodybuilding uh, that we talked about briefly before this. Yeah, you know, so uh, again, like when, when I'm doing all these things, guys, and, I, and I'm watching Nick Saban, I'm, I'm trying to create these parallels in my mind. Um, and another thing, too, that as you guys are listening to this, I don't want to come across and sound bitter um, because that's not it at all. It's just it, this is coming from passion. Mm. So if you look at the Kuwait system and, and what happens in Kuwait, it's, it's very much structured like a professional organization, like a professional football team. Um, and I respect that so much because you have a man in power, uh, Badr Budai, who's in power. Um, under Badr Budai, he has hired men that he believes in, um, that he respects, that he's trusts to run his system. Uh, and then from that point, you are welcomed in, you're recruited in, you're welcome to their team, but you're expected to do things underneath the, the regime that they've created. Um, and, and some of you guys could be listening to this and be like, wow, Matt's really off his rocker. This is crazy. But, but no, like they've created a system of mm -hmm. respect that demands respect, that demands discipline, that those guys come into and they either adhere to and they have success. It's, it's proven itself time and time again. Or if they want to buck the system, they leap. Mm -hmm. And the difference between the U.S. and Kuwait is if an athlete bucks the system in Kuwait, the athlete leaps. Yeah. There's no management group in the U.S. I would love to basically create this one day. And if it's possible, but in the U.S., if an athlete bucks the system, the coach is left. Yeah, yeah. And guys, I also want to say too, I'm not talking about poor coaching relationships where you update your coach and you don't hear back for ten days. Yeah. Let's let's get rid of all that. I'm talking about situations where the coach puts in a hundred percent effort, the athlete puts in a hundred percent effort, and the end result isn't what you want. Yeah. Or the coach puts in effort, the athlete puts in effort. And for some reason, um, you guys just don't see eye to eye on things. I mean, do you guys think that coach that Nick Saban walks into practice every day and is hunky dory with everybody on that team? <laughs> no Absolutely way. not. No, okay? he's an asshole. I've heard time and time again. The only time that man smiles is when he has a national championship mm -hmm. in his hand. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I hear so many times, you know, like, Oh Matt, you know, you, you seem so stern. You seem so, um, you don't seem approachable. Well, well, the goal hasn't been accomplished yet, you know, yeah. and, and I want to demand respect. I think one of the, the best lessons I learned um, growing up is I was under a coach that was under the U.S. national team coaching system. Mm -hmm. And he was the hardest coach that I ever worked for or played for. Um, and he gave me a compliment in a season one time. And I remember, like, I have chills now just thinking about it. When he complimented me, it meant so much to me that I still remember it. I mean, that was, wow. I was 15 years old, and I still remember it today. 
but the reason why is because I respected that man so much yep. and I worked so hard for him in the midst of never being given a compliment that when he finally gave it, it, it carries so much weight that mm-hmm. 16 years later, I still remember it, you know? So like, that's we, really we're cool. In a, we're in a system now of so much instant gratification. You know, right. it's like you want the show today. You want your coach to praise you every day. Um, you know, Justin, I've just noticed in the past few days that it's ballsy on your end, and I appreciate it, but you're basically screenshotting things from your clients that yeah. annoy you. Yeah, um, yeah. One of the things, one of my biggest pet peeves, and I'll say it on this, is when my clients ask me, what do you think about my picture? Dude, dude, I hate it. It drives me fucking nuts. What do you mean? What What, what do you mean, what do I think about just, your pictures? They're just seeking a compliment or they're seeking attention. Like yeah. if, if, if I think something about your pictures, trust me, you will know. Yeah. Yeah. Every and actually time. that that's a really good point that I kind of want to expand upon. I remember we worked together. Um, we were, let's see one year, we were about eight and a half months in. And I remember, um, you know, Steven and I were talking, uh, one day and he's like, what, what do you love about coaching with Matt? And I was like, it's never good enough. That doesn't mean that Matt doesn't make you like know that he sees the work. That just means I've never gotten a compliment from Matt. Um, like like saying, you know, good job's not a compliment, right? Like good job's like, I, I it's, it's, a, it's a tip of the cap, okay? That's not, you know, a compliment. And I was like, I like that because you know, every other coach, um, you know, that, that I ever worked for, um, sans, I guess one, um, but that one, I don't think has ever complimented someone in their life, to be honest with you. Every other coach I've ever worked with, it's, you know, every single week it's, you know, we're, we're doing, you know, how, how good we're looking. And, you know, eventually that kind of catches up to you a little bit and you think you can, you know, maybe slack off a little bit. You, you don't have something you're necessarily working towards. Um, because you're working towards the validation of someone who you respect. Obviously, if you hire a coach, you have a lot of respect for that person, right? So I remember it was around like the nine and a half month mark. And that's also kind of where we saw, um, you know, the, the first nine months, we saw good changes in my physique. Um, but it was a lot more performance and health uh, changes that we saw first and foremost. And then, like, I mean, the last three and a half months is quite like it's honestly been fucking absurd. I, I didn't send you the picture. I sent um, yeah, I, I sent I sent some of my uh, close friends the the picture. I uh, like the last two months progress that we made. And like things have started just going. Uh, it's it's on it's honestly it's unbelievable to watch right and you know i i remember you gave me the first like man you know you're you're starting to look like a a good bodybuilder here and understand what he means by good you know matt's expectation is you know top five national stage like that's that's you know that's when you're a very good bodybuilder um like a a good bodybuilder is in contention to do something right um, you know, beyond the regional level, Matt, Matt, Matt doesn't really think on the regional level much. Um, I know in a year or two, I'll be there, but Matt never thinks on the regional level. It's always national or above. Um, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not trying to win the state title. No, no, <laughs> no, not at all. Um, and, 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 you know, so like I appreciated that because I know where his expectation is. And I remember that sort of changed my coaching a bit because oftentimes in prep, when I know I'm pushing a client really, really hard and 
I'll tell them, you know, your pictures look good or I'm happy with what I'm seeing here. And I was like, I think I'm saying that a little too much. Um, and I'm not someone who gives a ton of compliments or I wasn't someone who gives a ton of compliments. And, you know, I got that first comment from you and I realized, you know what? Like, yeah, I've driven myself to much deeper places to achieve a goal than what I'm really pushing. I've never had to push someone as hard as I had to push myself. Um, and so like, I, I, like, it's actually not really a good job. Like it's a good job when you win. And, you know, so right. that kind of changed my scope on how I approach my clientele. Um, and, you know, you'll rarely see me, you know, handing out compliments really anymore. It, it, if, if I give one, it's, it's, uh, you can tell my athletes response that it's very appreciated. Right. And I think there's power in that because like you said, you know, we live in an instant gratification world, you know, Matt and I were not cheap coaches, but if you think you're going to come in and pay us, you know, 400 plus bucks a month for us to blow smoke up your ass, like that's not what you're here for. Like not right. every check and response is going to be this long, lengthy fucking thing. Not a, sometimes your check and response is keep rolling. That's all you fucking need, dude. Like yeah. no changes to the protocol is the best fucking change you can have. <laughs> like that, exactly. that, that's the best thing that can happen. And people want changes and they want updates. And they want validation. Don't ask how your fucking pictures look. Did you follow the plan perfectly well then your pictures are going inherently by the way that the body responds to adaptation will look better than what they did last week why right. do you need the validation for that nick Saban is right. not walking around now nick Saban after the national championship yeah he's walking around telling people good job but when you blast um you know fucking uh, University of Kentucky, I guess, again, not to pick on UK. <laughs> when you not blast them, when you blast by you know, 42 fucking points, there's no good job. You're supposed to. You're better than them. You have better coaches than them. You have more resources than them. You're supposed to beat them by 42 fucking points, right? right? And so, like, I think that mentality and finding people that fit within that culture of, hey, yeah, it's not a good job until you have that trophy in your hand. Um, I think there's great power in that. But, you know, for me as an athlete, I can say that's driven me further because, like, now, I mean, I'm in a set and, you know, I'll feel um, it's it's a long day and there's a lot of check-ins and X, Y, Z. And, I mean, I'll be in the gym and I'll be like, dude, I – I've set a precedent for Matt and Matt set a precedent for me. I can't fucking slack off. Like I got to figure out how to fucking tap in and I got to figure yeah. out how to fucking make this shit better. And so like for me yeah. to you, like I appreciate that. I appreciate Thank that greatly, but it drives you so much further. Go ahead. Yeah. I think ultimately like Kuwait, um, if we want to talk about Kuwait, if we want to talk about Alabama, if we want to talk about any culture that's been created, Ultimately, it comes down to respect of the individual that's at the head of that. Um, and then, you know, now, like within Alabama, not only do these guys have to lead up, live up to the standard that Nick Saban set, but they have to live up to the standard of 14 years of excellence that every single graduate and every single person that's gone on to the NFL is now looking back at them saying like, hey, you better hold up your end of the deal. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, and that's, that's an experience extreme amount of pressure on and, and, I, and i'm oh, yeah. talking and i'm not talking about these like i'm not saying kids in a way a way of disrespect but again we're talking about 18 year olds yeah. that have figured something out yeah. that grown men most grown men have it and that's why like i just appreciate it so much because it, it goes full circle with these guys you've got a man a man at the top of the podium mm. that has created this system and then you have all these people that have followed the system and graduated the system, and they're now national champions that can never be taken away from them. Yeah. And then you have new people entering the system that are now expected to uphold that standard of excellence. Yeah. You know, and, and that's where that Kuwait thing comes into my mind because as best as they can, 
they are replicating that system. Yeah. And, and I are. think if, if more people can grab onto that mindset, and, and I'm not saying that me, Matt Jansen, in and of myself can be a Kuwait system, but what I'm saying is ultimately, if you respect my body of work enough to work with me, then you should be able to respect the culture of, yeah. of that champion mentality and basically just do your part. And, and also understanding that doing your part isn't getting your way. No. And that's one of the – basically, I enter into every conversation with a new athlete that I have right now, and I say, look, we're at a crossroads here, and I'm just going to tell you from the start. I can coach you how I want to coach you, or I can be a glorified customer service agent. Yeah. You tell me what you, what you tell me what you want me to do. Yep. Um, because ultimately, at the end of the day, as much as I hate it, and this is a conversation that I have with Steven – you and I, we're not coaches as much as we are customer service. It sucks. It sucks. Now, some of us, tr some people truly buy in and we're able to coach them. For example, Sean Clarita, you, Nick Walker. I can go on and name a lot of people, but like 75% of my roster, I would say. And guys, if you're listening to this, I hope you're hearing what I'm saying and it's yeah. not disrespect. I'm customer servicing you. I'm not yep. able to truly coach you. I can say the same. 75% of my roster, I can't truly coach. Yeah. It sucks. It, 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 it sucks because, because when Matt, when, when you look at someone, you, you can see the finished product. If you just did X, Y, and Z, if you did X, Y, and Z, this is what's on the other side of that door. And all you have to do to get the keys to that door is X, Y, and Z. When yeah. I look at someone and, 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 it's also a big thing with Matt and I that I guess is different from a lot of bodybuilding coaches. Um, you know, we, we truly, uh, I mean, I'm not going to act like we're like the holy fucking grail, but like we do care about you. Like as people, like it's is kind of, it's, 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 it's uh, systemic within each individual's life. It's more than just bodybuilding. Like we want to see you getting better everywhere. Well, this process of X, Y, and Z, it applies to, everywhere in your life it applies to relationships it applies to your finances your professionalism your social life your bodybuilding everything all you do is xyz if you did x y and z this is where you could end up and some people you know on the other side of the door there's nothing there i mean quite frank i'm yeah. being real there's some people that they don't have any um yeah they don't have any long-term potential um, I don't think you and I have a ton of those clients anymore, but there's a lot of people who it doesn't matter what X, Y's and Z's you do. There's not a lot that's going to happen um, in terms of high level stuff, not, you know, regional level stuff. We're talking on the national professional age stage, um, but it's, it's so fucking frustrating to watch this go down. You're worried about cheat meals. You're worried about what I think about your pictures. You, you can't even yeah. hit a check in right. And, right. and you're worried about me giving you something that doesn't exist. It's, it's not there. You're dangling a treat in front of your face that I never put there, that Matt never put there. And you guys, like, again, me and Matt, we're not saying this in spite of anybody, in spite of our roster. This is reality. Most of our job, unfortunately, is not as a coach. Most of our job is a glorified customer service agent. It's answering questions that we've already fucking answered. It's, yeah. it's telling people that there's no changes to the protocol or just not making changes to the protocol and the check-in response. And they're like, so is everything the same this week? <laughs> yeah. If it wasn't, yeah. I would have told you. Right, exactly. That that that's and so that, that's important. Where I get, Go ahead. I get so I get so I don't know jealous is the right word, but like 
that's where that's where true coaching that's where nick saban yeah it's awesome because ultimately at the end of the day all he has to do is do his job and he has to take care of his guys yeah and he never has to worry about his job security a day in his life that can be built that can be built in america right right right. but with you you and i and coaching in the u.s in general it we can't just do our job Mm -hmm. and have job security no no. It's more than that, you know, because ultimately at the end of the day, it's finding out ways to spice up, carry on with the plan without saying carry on with the plan because that's no longer acceptable. Literally. You know, that's, that's talking behind people's backs of, oh my gosh, my coach gives me three word responses. <laughs> and three word, like yeah. seriously guys, what Justin said, if, if now again, this is in the context of us caring, but if Justin gives you a three word response, that means you're executing as you should. Mm-hmm. And you should take that carry on with the plan as a compliment but somehow in our culture today we take that as oh he's only giving me three seconds of his time when and when in reality that's not the case that's probably the biggest compliment i can give you the biggest compliment i can give you is the the shorter the better (laughs) to be honest with you i i I feel like there's nothing that you need told there's nothing that you need taught right now and there's nothing that needs you know extra energy the energy needs to keep going into where it's going so but i think what all of this is kind of about and and an overlying premise here is I think that Matt and I do a really good job and not now not as good as Saban because our systems aren't near as proven as his now you know when it's 10 years down the road you know Matt has eight more Olympia titles and I have nine just because I need to do one more than Matt. <laughs> but no, like, like, like <laughs> Hey, good luck back to you. <laughs> but, but when we have, you know, this system in play, you know, it'll be different, but the, right now there's an extremely defined expectation and, and the expectation when you sign up with one of us, if, if you're one of our clients, listen, you don't know the expectation, I would recommend you messaging us and you can find out the expectation very quickly. There's an extremely defined expectation here. And for people who are high level athletes, like those at the University of Alabama, like those, you know, really in any successful NFL you um, organization, <laughs> you know, I want to so bad, but we just got spanked way too bad. I can't, I can't say it in the same sentence. <laughs> um, maybe next year, but with, within these high level cultures, there's a few things that I, I firmly believe. Number one, extremely defined expectations. JP Morgan Chase, uh, ex- they, they expect their employees to make them the biggest and baddest bank in the world and what happens every single year. When you're hired there, you're paid like you work for the biggest and baddest bank and you are worked like you work for the biggest and baddest bank, right? It's same any high-level culture you go to. But in any high-level culture, there's still going to be mediocre people. Well, mediocre people don't like high achievers. High achievers don't like mediocre people. So this goes back to the expectations. The mediocre people, okay, if you're mediocre, that's the best you can possibly be. Like I just stated, there's some people who aren't meant for more than mediocre. There's some people who choose to be mediocre. If you're not meant for anything more than mediocre, you need to still understand that expectation. Well, that was kind of on Matt and I, right? But it's up to the mediocre person to accept it. The high achievers, they need to understand the expectation as well. These people don't like each other. If there's no expectation set, there's no standard set, then that, that coexisting culture is going to absolutely shatter what you're trying to build. 
you're going to have, there's mediocre people on my roster, I'm sure. There's mediocre people on Matt's roster, I'm sure. There's high achievers on both of our rosters. They'll likely never be friends, but can they work together to achieve a goal? Can they work together and maybe support each other and cheer for each other and want to see each other do well? That's where Matt and I come in to attempt and do the best that we can to build a culture that kind of build, you know, allows everyone to thrive and everyone to have their best, their best shot. Leadership, which is where Matt and I have to be, where Nick Saban has to be. Leadership is obviously what drives the culture, in my opinion. Leadership is just simply being someone people want to emulate and gravitate towards. So what does all this, what's all this mean? What's all this have to do? Like I said, every high level culture has this. This is simple checks and balances. Not everyone's a leader. Not everyone on my staff is a leader, even if they're leading their, you know, their, their uh, squadron, if you will, if they're leading their roster, but that doesn't make them a leader of anything more than just that. They're, they're a group leader. Not everyone within the roster is a leader. Everyone has to understand their role. If roles are not extremely defined, we're going to, again, it goes back to the mediocre and the high achiever. We can't have that coexisting. We have some people thinking something that they're not, right? That's where honesty comes into play. That's where transparency comes into play. When you look at the hierarchy that is Alabama, what does this have to do with bodybuilding? What does this have to do with your professional life? There's a leader at the top. There's high achievers underneath that leader. There's maybe mediocre people that are kind of under the high achievers, but everyone is still climbing just one peg a day or uh, brick by brick or, you know, whatever slogan you want to throw in there. They're climbing. There's togetherness and there's a sense of unity. And what's beautiful about a sense of unity is beautiful about togetherness and some that I know Matt does a good job of. I know I do a good job of, and there's a lot of other coaches do a good job of is the culture drives everyone to be better. What's the best mediocre you can possibly be? What's the best high achiever you can possibly be? What's the best leader that you can possibly be? And I think it takes a lot of self-assessment every single day. Um, I know Alabama does a lot of, you know, character building. Um, they do a lot of, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, social building within their team. They do a lot of yeah, like team activities. Yeah. yeah and, and there's a lot of competitiveness. Um, you know, almost everything has a competitive drive behind it. Well, I mean, fuck, like when I see Matt share one of his guys, like especially someone like Julian, who I'm a really good friend uh, of, it, I mean, if he shares Julian, you know, doing a training video, whatever Julian did, I, I want to smoke. I want to smoke that shit. Or if Matt shares me doing a training video, I know he has guys who, um, uh, you know, want, want to fucking smoke that. They watch that and they're like, I'm going to fucking smoke Justin. Um, like that, that's culture. It's, I don't just watch it, not feel anything. When, when my clients are watching my stories and they see, um, you know, so someone, what did, uh, Matt, Matt the other day did like one sixties for like 12 or something on dumbbell press. Like, did you watch that shit? Like, dude, you want to do that. You want to beat that. You know, don't let him be the strongest fucking guy on dumbbell press. Like you need to be the strongest guy on dumbbell press. Or like, fucking dude, Kelsey. I showed you Kelsey Johnson. She was pressing the nineties for like double digits. That was fucking nuts. Did you see that, Matt? Did you happen to see that? I have that yeah, girl. I did. She's yeah. bonkers. Well, dude, like yeah. I post that shit and the responses I get from my clients are unbelievable. Like people are so driven and motivated by that. And like, that's the culture that you and I have built. And this culture is not for everyone. This podcast is going to be listened to by about 10,000 people. I mean, I would say maybe 5% are actually people who could make it, who could actually last in Camp Jansen or who could actually last in Team Mahaley. That's what we want. We don't want to be accessible for everybody. And you, right. 
even if you're mediocre. There's room for mediocre as long as you're going to move the group forward. Even if you're somewhat mediocre, that's what you should strive to be part of. I'm not saying fucking apply with us. I'm not saying you need to pay us. I'm not saying we ever need to be a coach. Look for a culture that is going to drive you further than a place you can go. I truly believe the last note I want to say until throwing it back to Matt. If you are comfortable in your current situation, that's a terrifying place to be. Maybe I'm not saying leave your coach, but I would talk to your coach about it. Hey, I need pushed harder. I need driven further. What's your goals in bodybuilding? If you're listening to this, you're a bodybuilding competitor and you're comfortable with your coach. No, no way. You should not be made to feel comfortable. You, you could have just, right. you, I mean, Matt had Nick Walker win uh, North, the overall North Americans, which an LOL side note, it was hilarious to see that what only six super heavy showed up to that show or something or seven. Yeah. Because everyone knew that, you know, they Nick knew. was going to be there. Yeah. Like that was, yeah. I remember, I remember telling uh, um, Megan, I was like, if I was ready, like to step on that stage. I know Nick's going to kick my ass. I'd be there. I don't give a fuck, dude. Like, I'm, I'm going to yeah. take it. And, you know, like, measure yourself. Nick scared everyone away. But they won that overall, you know, in dominant fashion. And right away, the goal, I'm not sure how that conversation went down. Maybe you can enlighten us. Or maybe you had the conversation before because it was kind of a foregone conclusion. But, it, I mean, they got in prep for that Chicago Pro. And they, they right. their goal was getting an Olympia qualification. They did they came up short in that goal. They're not going to this year. But they came up short in that goal. But right, it, it wasn't enough. That's culture, dude. That's culture. Most people win that overall championship and they're done. Yeah. Matt and Nick were on a different level. And if there was another show that he could have done, I bet they would have fucking done it. But, you know, it was just done. It was over. It was, it was you know, too much. Um, well, but- yeah, just, I mean, just a little bit on that. Two things I want to say. I think uh, for one sense, you know, in, in terms of the, the negative things I've experienced in terms of losing people um, to death and, and passing away, um, I wanted Nick to, to really kind of savor that moment. Um, as soon as we got off stage uh, on Saturday night, we were asked to do um, the California the next weekend. Okay. Um, and my thought process in that was one, like you just said, I wanted to show up a hundred percent, absolutely better. Yeah. Um, and I felt like within a week turnaround time, he wasn't going to be able to show up better. Um, and two, marginally better. And two, we would have basically just pushed him right past that moment of, Hey, let's stop and just actually realize what you just accomplished. Yeah. Um, you know, so in, in that instance, like you, you are 100% right. Like I did have a plan the second he got off stage and that, and that plan was for him to basically dominate the physique that he just showed. Yeah. Um, and I knew that that was going to take time plus from the, from the mental emotional component, I wanted to give him a week to actually just, you know, hold true to, to what he just did and, and appreciate yeah. it um, and not kind of just like push it right by. Yeah. Um, you know, so that was that was important to me. Um, I don't know what else we have for this podcast, but the other thing that I wanted to mention that I think is just as equally as important uh, of the statistic of, of Saban and his culture of basically if you commit to three years, not basically, if you commit to three years, you'll be a national champion. Mm. On the reverse end, as you mentioned, there are a lot of guys that have left his system. There are no guys that have left his system that have become a national champion within three years. That's true. Um, and, I, and I think that that's 
so applicable to bodybuilding because, mm-hmm. again, our culture is so short-sighted. Um, if, if you guys have been one of those people that have left your coach, and I'm talking about leaving a good coach, I want you to kind of just do like an internal checklist of yourself really quick and, and think about and put yourself in the position. If you had stuck with that coach for three years straight, for four years straight, where would you be at now? Yeah. You know, and, and, and I, I want to talk about Sean for a second. I started working with Sean in May of 2016. Going on five years soon. Yeah, his last performance at that point was the Olympia where he was in last place. Wow. Okay, so you, you take somebody that was in 2016 and in last place, and we just committed basically four and a half years of loyalty to each other. And it, and it was loyalty because Sean is loyal to me um, outside of, what I do for him in terms of like, for example, I actually talked about this on the video that we did for the Olympia. Um, one of the biggest wins of his career and it bothers me was one of my worst peaking of him. Wow. And that was at the New York pro in 2018. So, so you know, Lord willing, thankfully he won the show. Um, but I wasn't pleased at all with my job of peaking him for that show. What do you think you, you could know? have done differently or, or, or uh, everything, man? Um, I just missed the mark. Completely. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, so, and it wasn't like, I mean, you guys can look at the picture. It wasn't like he was, it was bad by any means, but I just knew that I didn't do a good job of preparing him the final few days to the best of my, you know, ability. And it wasn't that I was uh, lackadaisical or neglecting him. I just missed the mark. Um, you Sometimes know, but like right then and there, he could have, he could have left me based off of that performance if mm. he wanted to, you know, but, but he was loyal to me. He was loyal to our belief in each other. You know, and now, now in 2020, after the hardest year for all of us in terms of bodybuilding and shows and cancellations and this, that, and the other, his mother also had cancer. He's now the best 212 there is, yeah. you know, and that wouldn't have happened if we didn't have a belief in each other beyond just the expectation in the moment. Yeah, that's powerful. Um, that's really powerful. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it really is because basically every time you leave your coach and this is what I want you guys to, to really understand every time you leave your coach you're starting from scratch yeah. even if you level up and go to a better coach you, you can't replace the time that the previous coach had from you mm-hmm. you know uh, I mean even with my even with myself and, and basically every client that I have, I always say the first three months is going to be me learning your body yep. that's all that you can expect out of me because I and I and I tell them I don't know your response, and until I know your response, we can't expect the result. Yeah. Um, you know, and I I just think that that's something that's just like in terms of just common thought process. That people don't think about that because time is money, um, time is is of value, time can exponentially mean wins, and every time you restart a system, you're you're losing time. Yeah. And what I think is <laughs> kind of an LOL here. How many people, you know, even, even with, you know, we both have pretty serious rosters, right? I, I would say, you know, yours is definitely very serious. Mine's pretty serious here. How many people are around for like six months? <laughs> they think anything's yeah. going to get a caught. Nothing. <laughs> like six months, you, you kind of wasted your time and our time. And right. I mean, we are talking years. We are talking, it's three months to learn your body. The next three months is probably going to be the slowest three months of progress we're going to have together. After that, I mean, six months, that's when, like, that's when we actually are able to do something. That's when we're actually start 
like putting something on paper that is tangible that, Hey, this has been accomplished in that time. But like, you're only as good as how lengthy your list of accomplishments gets. Well, in six months, it can only be one or two items. It's not like it's going to be this decoratory, um, you know, list that you and your coach accomplish in six months. This is not realistic. It's not possible. Um, so I think there's, I, I, I think this is a really, really good point for people to think about a championship from, from the current data we have. A championship is something that takes three years to build. Every three years, Alabama renews as the national champion. Um, and that is if you are already currently the best in the world. Exactly. Exactly. So, so for anybody that's less than that, it's going to take more than that. Exactly. 100%. And, and that, that, that's that's a very good point. You know, dude, if you're talking about bodybuilding, shh. You better, I mean, unless you are an absolute, Matt, I know uh, you got a friend of mine um, who started with you. Actually, I think after listening to one of our podcasts, Justin um, Shire, Shire, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know how to pronounce last name. I know he's going to be listening yeah. to this one. Um, you know, like, like that guy, just, he's like brand fucking new to competing. He, you know, he's unbelievable, right? But he's obviously been bodybuilding for a long time. Um, you know, just practicing the approach of bodybuilding like this right. shit takes so long. My, I mean, my first competition was, uh, 2000, uh, 2015, 2015 was my first competition. 2014 was my first competition. And, you know, like I'm seven years in and at the earliest, like I'm two years away from being an actual threat to being, you know, the Mr. USA from that goal, actually being a competition. That's nine years. Yeah, that's nine fucking years. The reality is on the other side of that, you know, my next school is probably top five at the Arnold, Ohio. That's another four fucking years. I mean, you know, five years, you're looking at 13, 14 year commitment out of this. Like, can you stay disciplined for that long? You know, and yeah, yeah, if the less muscular you have to be for your division, obviously that timeline shrinks down. Like there's girls in bikini who go from zero to hero in, in a year, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. But th that's still also a genetic anomaly, right? Sure. Put, put time in it. Practice your discipline. It's, it's not, if you did your due diligence and you hired someone who's legit, then you need to practice your discipline. You need to practice yourself. You need to practice your own leadership, your personal accountability. You need to practice a vision, following that vision. The visions championships and you know this is the blueprints right in front of you and your protocol sent to you and you just need to practice following that unending without anything interrupting you getting that goal i mean fuck on christmas like i didn't take christmas off i had, i hit my meals on christmas because I, I i matt and i have a target show selected that i want to win and you know yeah. I, I don't believe winners take christmas off truthfully um, yeah. it, it's, it's, and I'm not, I'm not like the most hardcore fucking person in the world. Like, I mean, Matt knows when, when I'm traveling, like, dude, there's times I've missed meals and I tell Matt, I'm very yeah, fucking let's, transparent. Let's talk about that. I don't know. I don't know if you've, you've been transparent, but let's go ahead and be transparent. Yeah. We'll, we'll make this real. Yeah. Um, one of the conversations that I had with Justin a few weeks ago and, and I know, so Justin likes to party and <laughs> Justin likes to be present for his athletes. Yeah. And I told him, I said, look, man, I said, I want you to win junior nationals this year. And I think I think you're going to have to reduce the partying and yeah. I think you're going to have to stay home more. Yeah. And I also said, because I encouraged him in this because I've been where he's been young coaches out there. I think one of the best things you can do for your roster is be present for your athletes at their shows. I think Justin is at a place now and he's established himself enough where he can network 
with his athletes from home mm-hmm. for the sake of his own goals without lessening their goals. Yeah. Um, you know, so I basically just told him, like, uh, what what started Justin and I's relationship, and and we've said this before, but for those of you guys that are new to the podcast, is um, I had a very direct conversation with Justin mm-hmm. before I started coaching him, telling him that he wasn't ready for a show that he was about to do. Yeah. Um, I initially thought he was pissed, but he actually didn't get the message, and then yeah. once he did get the message, he respected me for it, and that yeah. started our relationship. And then I, the second, like, I like to call him come to Jesus meetings was, mm-hmm. In December, I asked him, I said, hey, look, I I want you, as we get into prep, I want you to reduce the partying Mm -hmm. because more than anything else, just sleep cycle alone, I know it's being disrupted. And I want you to stay home more because you carry the stress of your clients on you and it's reflective in your progress since you're home. And then as Justin alluded to at the beginning of this podcast, he's basically made the most progress he's ever made in his bodybuilding career over the past two months. And what's basically been a part of that has been his traveling's been reduced yeah no traveling you know so like 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 for for instance if we never had that conversation dude i would have been out in miami four days right i was in miami for less than 24 hours 24 hours yeah yeah yeah, like i would have been out there four fucking days and dude miami if you've never gone out miami and experienced that in my life that shit's unbelievable dude that's right down my alley and but you know we booked a trip and on the butt end of the trip, it was no, you know, like we need to get home ASAP so I can get back to to my bed, to my meals, to my gym, to my routine day to day. And you know, something else that I did was I did finally establish a boundary. You know, I told my clients, hey, these are the shows that I'm going to be at. Okay, I'm going to be here, 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 and you. The only actually, the uh, there's three national shows I'm actually missing this year, um, and and actually two of them are after my prep. Because I know after this prep where the attention turns and, you know, like after my, you know, after my prep, I'll go to national championships. I'll go to the Olympia. Um, I know the, the attention for Matt and I turns to another beast and it's, it's setting yourself up for that progress. You know, I don't care that your family wants to go on vacation, go, go on the vacation, hit your fucking protocols. I mean, it it means that much, honestly. Um, I mean, there's, you know, Megan and, um, you know, Brandon, they were talking about uh, a festival. So we love raving. We love EDM stuff. All you guys are fucking with. Anyone who listens to this podcast knows that. And I was like, I, I can't do it. I, it's it's not by a show. It's not by anything. I, I said, if there's a, fe- I gave them one date of one festival I can do this year. But like, dude, if it, you know, if it wasn't for Matt and I's conversation, no, I'd do, I'd do six. And, yeah. you know, you, 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 lose training, you lose sleep cycle, you lose hydration, you lose food, you know, all that stuff. And I think that's a really important note because again, I'm not going to sit here and, you know, honestly, I don't really talk about my own progress that much on the podcast. Cause it's like, I feel like it's kind of like, I don't want it to be super like self-serving or ever feel like that narcissistic. Um, obviously I'm sure. someone that has a big ego, but like when you're talking about bodybuilding, I don't want to feel like I'm doing anything. that's like one upping people. So I'm, I'm actually happy Matt brought that up. I'm not the most hardcore person in the world. Like I love bodybuilding. And I believe that my, and Matt, you can grab me if I'm wrong. I believe what I put in is enough to win a Mr. USA. Um, you know, beyond that, we'll see. I, to, to be frank, I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure. Cause I'm kind of in Matt's boat of like, dude, my, I'm not going to win an Olympia, but I need to win a lot of Olympias. <laughs> you know what right, I'm saying? Right. I'm not going to do it myself. I can help people do it. And at some point it's got to shift to that. Um, but there's sacrifice that I make as a 27 year old, who lives a pretty, you know, cool life that there's sacrifice that I make for the sport. 
um, that you need to decide you being the listener, you need to decide how much does it mean to you? How much does, um, how much does your company's success mean to you? If, if your boss came to you and say, you need to start, stop partying on the weekends, you're going to get a promotion. What would you do? Well, you're probably going to stop partying on the weekends. Well, I'm coming to you and telling you, Hey, you probably need to stop partying with shit that doesn't need celebrate or doesn't warrant celebration. So you can kind of get to the next uh, step in your life. Right? Like, dude, when Matt told me about traveling to client shows, Oh, I can't lie. Like, yeah, that sucked. I wasn't happy about that. I wasn't happy that I was being instructed. Hey, you're at a place now as a coach where you don't need to always be there. And I get that. I, I understand that. But it's not like I was something as happy about. You know what my fucking response was? Yes, sir. We'll do. That's what I say to every fucking thing he tells me because I believe in the vision. I believe in what he lays out. And I hired someone who I know can win me, Mr. USA. And maybe one day get a uh, uh, top five at the Arnold, Ohio. And I hired him knowing the expectation was going to be, you need not do this, 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 and that. You guys have to assess how serious are you? How serious are you about sacrificing to win a national championship every three years? How serious are you about sacrificing to honestly, even just win your first show? I mean, I think it's a huge monkey off your back, you know, just winning your first fucking overall. Uh, that that's, that's a big deal. I mean, Matt can, I, I followed Matt when he won his first overall. Um, it's a big fucking deal. And that, but after that's that is my, my favorite bodybuilding moment to, to this day of my personal success is that I, I, um, I agree. It doesn't, doesn't surpass the Olympia, but in terms of my own stepping yeah. on stage, winning the overall to Flex Lewis means more to me than getting third place at USA. 100%. You and Flex Lewis are friends, you know, like you did at your friend's yeah. show. Were you guys friends back then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, you did it, your friend show for me. Um, it was something when I started bodybuilding in 2014, I was like, I want to be Mr. Ohio one day. And, you know, it took, yeah. it only took me five years to achieve that, which honestly is really fast. Um, you know, I'm not, I, I don't think I'm, I'm not some like genetic anomaly, but I, I, I have progressed at a faster rate than some folks do. Um, but it, I knew that it meant a lot to me. Matt knew that would mean a lot to him. And, you know, it's, but as soon as you win that one, like you get off stage for the one and you enjoy the moment, but the, the, the mindset kind of directly goes to, oh shit, I can't lose now. I, I did this. Right. Now I can't go back. Like losing is not really an option. So, you know, winning your first overall, what does it take to sacrifice that or getting top five of your first national show? What's it take to get to that? And that's kind of what I want you guys to focus on. So Matt, do you have anything more to add to this conversation? I think we, I think we did a great no, job. I think, it's, I think it's been awesome. Yeah. I think yeah. it's really been awesome. You know, ultimately guys, like the culture that you create, whether it's within yourself or whether it's a part of a team, it, 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 it comes down to your ability to adhere to a system and your respect for that system. And then ultimately how much you respect yourself, you know, yeah. and like, and like Justin just said, like, um, I, I approached that show, that flex show in 2016, like it was my Olympia. Like I, that's how serious I took it. Um, now granted what in the grand scheme of life, was it that serious? No, but in the moment in time for me and what I accomplished, I, I mean, I sacrificed everything for months for that show, Yeah, you know, and, and ultimately like that's, that's how you guys have to look at a goal, whether it's. I would love to do like a business podcast with you one day too, but oh, like whether it's business or whether it's parenting your kids or whether it's, you know, taking pride over your lawn, whatever it is, you have to, you have to approach it like that. Like you yeah. have to approach it. Like, you know, if, if I'm going to have the best grass in my neighborhood, like then I'm going to have the best grass as if it's the masters nationals. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's the type of mindset that creates success. 100%. Whether, whether, whatever you're doing. 
100% I agree with that. I love that outlook, actually. It's it's funny because I LOL about next year I'm going to have the best fucking lawn in the neighborhood. <laughs> it's just competitiveness, right? Yeah, man. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I, I bleed into everything that you do. Everything that you do. Well, how you do one thing is how you do everything, right? It's something I talk about all the time. And, you know, if you're a champion on the bodybuilding stage, I it's 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 rare to find a champion on the bodybuilding stage who's, you know, kind of a slum everywhere else in their lives. Right. Usually right. people are winning elsewhere as well. So you guys, I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. I know every time uh, that Matt and I come on, there's always some really good stuff. Uh, Matt, I appreciate you coming back on Grow or Die. Obviously, we're going to have Thank you back you. soon. Um, but you guys, we will see you on Monday. I hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. As always, thank you for tuning in. Please leave us five stars. I'll see you next time.